Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Great, great part about that day. Cole Swindell, Mickey Mouse, um, no touchdowns. Like, all that stuff was great. <laughs> Creaky getting rocked, all that stuff. No, he just finds that the socks are comfortable. I think that that's what it comes down to. We just need to know what brand. Are they Bombas? Are they Hanes? Fruit of the Loom? We, like, we what no is idea. it? Is it? I don't is, know what Lula's contract with Bombas, T-shirt hooligan. I don't know what, what their contract's like with any of those guys. Say he went to CNX, right, and, and he won the state championship in wrestling, and he was wearing Wisconsin socks. It'd be a pretty big indicator to us, right, that he's going to end up going to Wisconsin. Three, uh, first of all, it's, it's when lights come on, the freaks come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine From the Pink Seats Podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. Welcome in to another episode of From the Pink Seats Podcast. We've got a lot to talk about to dive into this evening on the show. I'm your host, Jacob Lane, joined by Vincent Lacoco. No Matt McGavick tonight, but we do have uh, somebody filling in and keeping the seat warm. We'll get to that in just a second. Vince, you just got back from the lake. You're looking good, man. Tell me your favorite lake activity. Tell me a little bit about what Ooh. Vince on the lake looks like. Ooh, I definitely love just sitting and floating in the cove. Like, that's the best, just relaxing. Not a lot of waves, so you don't get all motion and everything. Obviously, drinking a couple of Coors Lights. Uh, definitely, I like playing golf with my dad down there. We try and play uh, 18 down at the course down there every time we're down there. So, uh, mainly just beer, floating, and golf. That sounds like a hell of a time, man. Uh, and if that sets up uh, how the rest of this show is going to go, you are in for a good one here uh, as we dive into what's going on around the Louisville football program over the last couple of weeks. It's been a busy few weeks. We've been trying – uh, to get together as a group here to record and, and talk about everything from the recruiting to some of the comments that have happened as uh, some of the coaches have done some media run and all of that fun stuff. And we're going to dive into each and every topic tonight. But first off, before we do that, let me introduce the man that I just teased a few seconds ago. He needs no teasing. He is uh, much bigger than that. He is the uh, co-founder of the state of Louisville. He is the host of the starting 502 podcast that covers Louisville basketball on the state of Louisville network. Uh, and he is the man behind the social media for the state of Louisville, Presley Meyer, Presley, the host with the most. How are you, buddy? That was way too kind of you. Like <laughs> it was, I, I'm going to make sure I'm going to delete all that out. Actually resident bleep poster Presley Meyer has joined us because he bothered Jacob for like three weeks about coming on the podcast. That's, that's a much more accurate, uh, assessment but nonetheless very glad to be here and the reason i've been bothering you about being on the podcast is because i'm really excited about this football season and it could be because like once you get inside 100 days you start just kind of like honing in on all the little details and getting excited about the things that you swore that you never get excited about which is fine i mean i think that's what that's what these kind of podcasts are centered around but nonetheless 
there's a lot to get to from the last time that you guys uh, covered things. So I'm excited to talk about a, a whole uh, caveat, a whole, uh, is that even the right word? A whole uh, myriad, if you will. Slew. Of, 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 I like the word slew. I'm a big a fan slew of that. Of topics. A there's, slew there's, of topics. There's a legion of topics <laughs> swarming upon you. And That's uh, right. I, I can't wait to join you for this for this quest. Well, we are glad to have you here. As I mentioned, Matt McGavitt getting a well-deserved night off as we dive into everything Louisville football, currently with Louisville baseball in the heat of a uh, run through the NCAA tournament. So Matt will join us next time whenever we get back together. But for now, uh, we've got Presley here. And we've. it's always great to get new takes and new perspective on this show because I feel like a lot of the times it's it can be a little bit of an echo chamber because of how similar Matt and Vince and I kind of think when it comes to Louisville football. Uh, so it'll be nice to have a little bit of, of new juice here on the show but uh, before we dive into everything I want to start with a, a little bit of a, a fun intro here there's been a lot to kind of talk about some things a lot bigger than others but I've just over the last few weeks kind of been compiling the biggest topics uh, that have kind of you know hit this hit social media or made a little bit of noise and so I've got five or six of them here you guys have access to them and I figured you guys could just kind of pick through a couple of these and we could start there and, and kind of bounce off some conversation so Vince I'll turn it over to you buddy we've got one, two, three, four, five, six topics. Any of these screaming Vincent LaCoco at you right now? Well, Jacob, I think you know which one I'd probably go for first. That being Satterfield asked about Jeff Brom. I think and this is I a great. You, go I ahead. Text, go ahead. I text you guys and I, I had an issue with it. You know, I, I did not think that that was the most appropriate question to be asking our head coach coming in right into the season, you know. I feel like it should be more team oriented. How are we going to improve the team? How are we going to get better? How are we going to improve up the mistakes and things that we made last season and, you know, turn those fourth quarter uh, blunders or what, whatever you want to call them into winnable games, opposed to asking about his possible replacement. That made no sense. Uh, not sure who asked that. I remember their last name was Lane, though, so it's Probably a relative of you, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> to poor reflection on myself for having that. No, but you know, in all honesty, this is an interesting topic. And if Matt was here with his uh, lowercase j journalism background, he could provide a little bit more and shed a little light into some of the questions that were asked. But for those who haven't heard this story by now, I would imagine that everybody who listens to this has or at least has heard mummerings about it. Uh, Scott Satterfield recently did a, a local TV car wash type of deal where he sat down with a reporter from each station. Uh, from WDRB, WHAS, Wave 3, all the stations to just talk about the offseason and talk about next year. And a couple of weeks ago, the Jeff Brom comments when he spoke with uh, a group of alumni, and I'm not exactly sure where he was. Or it, was it was a Flagey High School reunion. His dad, uh, alumni Flagey, my grandfather, alumni Flagey. What is a Flagey? Please enlighten uh, me. Flagey is, uh, it was a school in the West End back in the day where Paul Horning went to, uh, went to high school as well. Uh, my grandfather was his center back in the day in high school, and uh, they wow, that's essentially a fun closed down Flaget at the time and opened up Trinity. Okay, okay, all right, that makes much more sense yeah. because I've always heard, you know, Jeff Brom's a Trinity guy. So when I but we're thought, all really Flaget guys, like that's kind of like if Flaget was around, I would have went to Flaget opposed to Trinity. Okay, makes perfect sense. So Jeff Brom spoke about the Louisville job. And, and it, it, by now, man, like it, we've talked about this a lot on our show and we haven't since the whole Satterfield thing went down after the UK game about Jeff Brom. But I, I'm right there with you, man. I'm so tired of people asking him. It makes no sense at this point to continue to ask Scott Satterfield about it. I mean, like I told, told you guys and I'll tell the audience, what response do any of them expect to get? 
I mean, what do you think he's going to say? Well, you know, last night I was talking to my wife at the dinner table and I told her, honey, I'm worried this Jeff Brom guy might come get my job. Like, no, he's he's not going to give any sort of commentary around that other than, you know, I don't care. We aren't listening to the outside noise. And I did appreciate the kind of sassiness that he provided. And look, what did I tell you? You probably don't remember this like or think about it like I do. But I told you all he needed to go back and find the secret Bobby Petrino, how to be an asshole one on one playbook. that got stuck somewhere in a wall during the clean out of his office. But it, it just it, it's it is interesting to see kind of how he's responding. And maybe that's more of it. What it is at this point is to see how he responds. Presley, what do you think, man? Are you are you on the side of it's a fair question? you know Satterfield needs to, to answer it or uh, are you in the boat that's like for the love of god local media can we at least like ask what he likes to eat or something else besides what he thinks about Jeff Brom yeah like Scott Satterfield what do you like to order from roosters since there's not a coach at U of L that likes roosters anymore what do you get at roosters um but no and you'll be condemned these days if you go to roosters and you're a Louisville coach of any kind man no more Chris Mack has has clearly set it up to where you can't go there and be a successful head coach. Yeah, Sat needs to go to Sidebar, all right, because we found a lot of success with Sidebar. Uh, but no, and, and what's the restaurant across the street from the football stadium? That's like a paradise theme. Oh, what is like t- Tommy oh, Bahamas Mexican or something? Yeah, <laughs> that's like never right. open. Yeah, yeah. No, he, I want to see Sad at Tailgaters, and I want to know what he's doing at Tailgaters. That's not, or I want to see Sad in the alley. The Louisville Crashers are on the tables. That's what I want to see uh, Sat doing on game day. It's a question that needs to be asked. As, as a reporter, Tom Lane is, is not doing his job if he doesn't ask it because it was obviously a huge story, and he had Scott Satterfield in front of him literally like within a couple of days. So I think it's a question that needs to be asked. Nonetheless, it's still a dumb question, and nonetheless, he's going to get the generic answer. Uh, but, but to be fair – with Scott Satterfield, I think that that I liked his answer. He was like, we got championships to win here, bro. It's going to be a little bit before you can get on board. I love that answer. Like I, I, that's not typical sad. Uh, And it clearly he had heard it and clearly he was prepared because that was an excellent answer. I don't know if Rocco coached him up or what, I don't know if Vince coached him up. That answer was excellent. And exactly what I'm hoping to hear as fans, right? You know, there hasn't been a game since December. We're in the middle of June now, man. Like, we so quickly forget what happened at the end of last season. You get absolutely just trounced by Kentucky, which just rub people so much the wrong way that they don't care if we have the number seven recruiting class. No, that's that that we up got there. destroyed by Kentucky yet again. That's like, that up his timeline for potentially being on the hot seat by a year, yeah. you know, by you, a year. Yeah. And then you, you lose it to air force. You're lucky. You still got your job. And if you're the media, if you're somebody who doesn't really, Excuse the motorcycles outside my house. <laughs> what, dude, this sounds like the roosters got to you, bro. Dude, <laughs> dude I, I told you, motorcycles, there's like two songs they listen to, and it's just constant over here. Like Ramblin' Man, like it's just, it's the same songs over and over. But uh, that's, that's, that's what you get when you live in God's yeah. country, man. If you're a media person, if you're, uh, if you're Andy Sweeney, if you're Tom Lane, if you're – if you're one of these guys, right, that they don't care about Louisville, they care about doing their job right. In their head, the narrative is, okay, Louisville went 6-7 and seven last season, and a guy that the fans want to come back is saying, like, yeah, I'll come back. It's no problem. Definitely still something that crosses my mind every year. Like, yeah, that's a story. And so, like, they're going to ask that question. Regardless of what Scott Siderfield's going to ask, if you don't ask that question, you're just bad at your job. And so, okay. regardless of how irritated that makes us as fans, I think that that's kind of – 
that should be the answer. And I think that that Scott Satterfield's answer really outside of that should be on the field. A lot of us are going to get into, we might even get into tonight. Well, you know, the ball bounces this way or that way. You could have <laughs> won nine games last season and you, you could have beat air force, you know, like this, there's all this stuff that we're going to throw out there and it's going to sound ridiculous, but as a neutral person, as somebody who just wants to provide the right kind of coverage, absolutely. That's a question that you ask. And I, I, I thought the Satterfield dancer was just absolutely, he couldn't have nailed it any better. So I enjoyed that. Tom, Tom Lane's got to expect some kind of hate coming back his way for asking that kind of question though. Absolutely. Probably, yeah. He's got to see that coming for sure. Props, props to Tom Lane get- though. I've been told, so Tom Lane, number one, excellent golfer, but I've been told that, that Tom Lane is just good at, he's like one of those guys that just annoys you because they're good at everything. Like he might not, you know, he might uh, not go bowling for two that's years. The, and that's the lane 30. in him right there, man. That's the lane in him. Well, we got that in common. Yeah. You know, it must've skipped a generation with you or something. <laughs> Am I supposed to pick a new topic though? Is no, this yeah. Yep, yep. On to you. Roulette, bro, so. roulette, absolutely. We'll, we'll kind of treat this like jeopardy here, right? Like you just pick whatever topic you want to go to. <laughs> That's right. I, I clearly won the last round. So Satterfield asked about Jeff Brown. We kind of went over that a little bit. Lamar Jackson. I already, you know, we kind of got into that. What I'm really excited about Louisville's getting all these guys cleared. Right. And a big reason why Louisville went six and seven last year is because some of these injuries, right. And the other thing that kind of comes to, to mind as well for me was some of the, the kind of happenings in the offseason, right? Specifically in the slot. Uh, Louisville essentially, from my point of view, and maybe from your all's as well, you know, I listen to the podcast a lot, and I think you guys kind of felt this way as well. It seemed like Braden Smith and Devon Mortimer were not guys that were going to be on this roster going into 2022, but it looks like Braden Smith is cleared and, and there's no mention of his running in with the law and same with Devon Mortimer. So all of a sudden, Louisville's roster uh, goes from, from having one really true slot player on the roster. Unless you want to include Tyler Hudson, you really only have one true slot player on, on the squad. And all of a sudden you add Braden Smith, a starting caliber player, uh, who apparently by by any reports that we're getting is, is going to be on the squad and potentially a starter. And then you add Devon Mortimer, who is a, a four-star top-rated player in, in this class. One other kind of branch off of that as well is that Devon Mortimer w- w- is the first player in the Scott Satterfield era uh, who is like one of the top one or two players who's actually, it looks like is going to pan out and actually be on the roster. Yes, that's that is. I was literally just thinking about that. That's wild. In every class they've had, the top guy, uh, or one of the top guys, has bounced out late. Even last going year. back to Bobby, the the, the kid from uh, from Butler, that just never. I don't even know what he's doing. Uh, and and, and Vince, you maybe you know who I'm talking about. The the guy from Butler who was a corner that. Oh, you're talking out. about the kid from Wagner. Uh, Wagner. Oh, excuse oh, me. What was his uh, name? Just, Prince. 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 Yes. Yes. I don't remember his first name. Yeah. Yes. Was supposed to be like. Jerry. The, Wasn't it Jarius? Jarius Prince. There you go. Yeah. Didn't yes. didn't pan out, and and ultimately it did end up being on the roster. And there were were multiple um, players oh. like this. The top players. Yeah. Last um, year you had uh, Dre Williams, uh, T. Will's son. Didn't it was a very late. Juco uh, qual or you know had to go Juco because he didn't qualify to to play at Louisville. I mean, so they've literally like every year they've missed out on their top their top um, guy from getting him enrolled, and it looks like it was going to be this a similar situation with Mortimer. Okay, so there's probably let me just kind of set the situation here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to walk on this very delicately because I am not a journalist, nor uh, do I try to pretend to be Devon Mortimer's situation. If you're curious as to what we're talking about, potentially just take a look at the internet. 
Uh, there was some kind of tweets and things that came out a few months ago that potentially mentioned some run-ins with the law. Uh, there was never a confirmation uh, or report from any kind of credible sources that I ever saw to confirm anything. Uh, but there were a lot of people who were unsure whether Devon Mortimer was going to arrive on campus and play. Uh, but Keith Wynn, a couple of weeks ago, our good friend and, and football guru who keeps up with the details in a way that is really entertaining and really interesting to just kind of watch. But he tweeted that the picture of all of the freshmen, which it is a really small class that arrived uh, and have enrolled at L, all but I think two or three of them. Uh, and it include Devon Mortimer. So you're talking about, and we talked about this on the show, you may remember this, but I said why the wide receiver position was so concerning was because when you had Tyler Harrell, you had Tyler Hudson and you had D Wiggins and you had Marshawn Ford and you had all these guys, Braden Smith potentially coming back. It made the question marks less quiet. You didn't have to ask those so loudly. But the second that Tyler Harrell transferred, that's when it's like, well, shit, what about Braden Smith? Is he going to be able to come back? What about Devon Mortimer? Is he going to be ready to play? And those things become much more important because if not, then you're talking about two guys that are potentially going to be big parts of your football team not being there. And now you're down three receivers from a group that at one point we talked about being better than potentially what it was last year, at least from a depth perspective. So um, on the injury side, let me just kind of reset that as well. Caleb Chandler, Monty Montgomery, and Braden Smith, all physically clear to return from either uh, torn ACLs or other injuries. I think Caleb Chandler maybe had like a shoulder injury shoulder. or something. Yep, shoulder. Yeah, missed all of spring football. So now you're talking about um, – potentially with Caleb Chandler and Monty Montgomery, I'm not even going to pretend like this isn't a realistic possibility. Two first team, all ACC guys back on your football team. Go ahead. We still, we still, we still need one more back fully healthy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Control Keith, Clark, that's right. Control need, Clark. If we get control Clark healthy, back healthy, hundred percent, which is looking like it's getting that way. It's going to be a dangerous defense issue. Yeah, and I've got another one for you. There's two other guys that you got to get healthy, Evan Conley and Caleb Johnson, because right now, and no yep. no offense to Brock Doman, you know, I think he's a he's, he played really well during spring this year when he got the opportunity, but those are your two guys that you fully expect to be the number two or potentially be the number two behind Malik Cunningham, and considering how much he has gone out for a play here, play there, series here, that that position is so important to make sure with uh, that you have in, in, a, in a good spot. So uh, Evan Conley also missed, I think, with a hip injury all of spring football. So these guys are getting healthy. You're getting them back. And, and, and I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to this, and this is just the time of the year that we're in with the summer and just not much to talk about. But I think these dudes look much better physically larger than they oh, did yeah. last year. Like oh, yeah. just looking at pictures. <laughs> I was looking at the pictures that coach Ivy posted of them on the lake and just kind of like zooming in. And I think it was Yaya Diaby. I'm just like, he looked like he ate Yaya Diaby last yeah, year. He's a I, lot bigger. Uh, who, who else looks a lot bigger? Oh, the picture of Caleb Chandler and uh, two other offensive linemen running. Uh, I want to say it was Trevor Reed and another guy, but they looked freaking huge. I was like the broadest shoulders they've had in a while. Backs. I mean, they just look ginormous. They look like ACC offensive linemen. That's right. And I, I was talking with my family tonight. We were having a great conversation about season tickets and Louisville football, which I think we'll, we'll talk about, you know, attendance and stuff as we get closer to the year. That's going to be a really interesting storyline to watch. If you had polled me, it's like polled the audience whether they were going to be supportive next year at the end of last year. The answer is much different than what it is today. Uh, but Louisville now has pieces in play. I think this is going to be one of the most talented teams Louisville has had potentially since the Lamar Jackson, maybe 2016, all around from offense to defense. 
Uh, my brother said, well, do you, you know, you think if Louisville wins 10 games, it's because Malik, you know, had a season like he did last year. And I said, no, I think if Louisville wins 10 games, it's because the rest of their football team is that much better than what they were last year. Um, but we got plenty of time to get into that. Uh, any closing thoughts on any of these other topics? We don't have to dive into them, but anything else stand out to you when you talk, when you think about uh, the SEC and expansion, Kentucky, UK game, maybe going away. Lamar Jackson uh, looks like Bane, like he's going to show up wearing the mask, I think, that, and that, just like talking with the accent. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Spence Fit. I need to go to Spence Fit. Yeah, right. I've been Imani, working Imani my Spence ass off. Got, I don't look like that. Rocking. Dude, I mean, I just watched that video of Lamar the other day, and I'm just like, and then I see the subsequent video that followed of him throwing the foot 50 yard rocket down the field on his knees. I'm like, I, I of, need to be able to do that. Speaking of 50 yard bombs, did you see our quarterback, our starting quarterback? 50 yard uh, bomb hit the goalpost from his knees. Off his knees with his eyes closed. He, he says a hundred times in the video. Eyes closed, eyes closed, eyes closed. <laughs> oh, his eyes were closed. I didn't listen to the sound. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He says it like a hundred times. Eyes closed, eyes closed. Anyways, regardless, I couldn't hit it from 10 feet away. So. <laughs> Me neither. I, I am the <laughs> least accurate football passer you will ever see. Like, I have a noodle arm. My shoulder will fall off hey, if I try to throw it any further than about 5, 10 yards. If you give me a nerve football, I'm all over that, all right, from 20 yards, all right? Um, but, but no, Vince, real quick, among us, you're the one who spent the most time with, with Lamar Jackson. Work ethic as far as workouts, we've kind of heard, and I know you've gotten into it a little bit, but we've heard about what his workouts look like as far as, you know, his mom used to say he'd do two hours of, of core exercises every day, regardless of the day. Like, they don't care if it's Christmas. They're doing two hours of core exercises. What's this man's work ethic like? And, and what, 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 what can you kind of say that where he can attribute his, his health and his success in his career uh, to, to that work ethic, specifically with those workouts that nobody thinks about? I just think I, he's always going to be the hardest worker in the room. That's like the kind of guy he is. He's going to be the vocal, goofy guy, and you're not gonna you're not gonna think he's working hard because he's gonna be laughing and having such a good time, and you'll be huffing and puffing and breathing hard and hurting, you know. But that's Lamar for you. Lamar's gonna make sure it's fun. He's gonna love it. He's gonna enjoy it. So people love working out with him. Right now, it's looked like Amani Spence has been killing it with his training business, and obviously with him and Lamar being best friends, they latched on together and. I guess they're doing some business together. And at the same time, Lamar's getting jacked and all you see him doing are those core exercises. And, you know, I'm sure that helps him throw the football. It seems like he just flicks the wrist anyway. So I'm sure it's a lot more core torque than anything. So I'm really lifting weights wise. If you guys remember his Heisman speech, he said he he never lifted weights. Yeah. He lifted up the trophy and he was like, y'all know I don't like to lift. (laughs) I remember our head strength coach just dying laughing when we were watching that video. Can you confirm that he did not like to lift? I mean, yeah, he's a quarterback. So what? So what? (laughs) I feel like is that what quarterback Brady Quinn out here? Brady Quinn did 25 reps on bench press. And now you don't see any type of quarterback doing that anymore. So, so what about uh, I'm trying to think of who, who you would have had in the building with you. Like Jawan Pass wasn't a he wasn't a guy who would like to get on the bench or the squat rack. <laughs> hey, Puma Puma would squat, but Puma did more of the uh, all the quarterbacks had to do like that trap, the bench with the different grips. So it'd be easier right. on their shoulders, less pressure right. on the back of the shoulder. And, uh, you know, us fullbacks over here, we just got to ram into things all the time. So I don't really give a damn what we lift. <laughs> Have you seen the viral video of the kid at fullback? And how can Louisville get, how can Louisville get him in, into their offensive system within the next two to three years? So I sent that to my buddy, Ryan Fleming, 
who is a defensive defensive recruiting guy in the office. And I said, how can we get this guy? And he said, he's already on the big board. So we're well ahead of that president. Okay. We're on the right Class track. 2029. We're started, we're that's how we got Pierce and them. We started 2023 early. We just thought we'd jumpstart it and go ahead and start is, it. Hold on. Do we know what class he is? Do we know what his name is? Uh, do, that stuff? Uh, 2029, right, Jacob? Is that what you just said? <laughs> I don't know. I just made that up. There's I mean, no was, way. No. What was that, that kid like eight years old? Yes. Like I know. There's no way. I'm pretty sure just by the way that they were hitting each other that that kid wasn't any older than maybe like eighth grade. Whoever the kids he was playing, those kids were tiny. I felt bad for those kids. That was not. That first kid (laughs) got real lucky. If you watch the video, he just kind of like last second got out of the way and kind of like bailed out, still hit him a little bit. But then the second dude took out all of his frustration. I got all of the frustration taken out on him. If you don't, if you know what the first time. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, if you don't know what video we're talking about, I'll share it on, on social media so that just come in and check out this. The, I, I know exactly what young video. I follow all the fullback the accounts and they, they had those <laughs> all, all over. Yes, I'm, I'm well aware. All right, Jacob, let's, let's get into this season. I'm sorry. I, I keep I keep derailing the train. Oh, you're totally fine, man. We're, we're just glad to have you here. Uh, but let's that makes a great point. Let's transition and talk a little bit about what has been uh, the most newsworthy topic for Louisville football over the last really the last month and a half. Um, in fact, some could say one could say that this might be what has saved Scott Satterfield and put him really back in into being one of the most popular coaches in the in the program, like overall, which. Who would have thought that about six months ago? But that is what the offseason is for. You can go from being the most hated to the most loved in one offseason, and that is what Satterfield has done with the recruiting, especially in the class of 2023. Um, Before we get to uh, the big name there, let's take a step back. Class of 2022, Louisville picks up arguably the biggest transfer that they have landed uh, under Scott Satterfield. This is one that um, is at a position of need. It's a kind of is a trifecta. Position of need, uh, and uh, they're picking up a transfer that comes from the Power Five with years of experience and a guy who has a chip on his shoulder trying to get to the next level. That's the perfect triad of transfer right there, in my opinion. If a guy comes in and they've got the right attitude, Vince and I have talked off air about guys who have come in that I've been like, Vince, man, why didn't it work out with this guy? Because it looked like it was totally perfect. And he's like, well, you got to just kind of peel the helmet off there and see what's in between the two ears, and you'll get a much better understanding of why somebody didn't work out. And so you can judge on paper the addition of Jermaine uh, Loyal as being one of the biggest under Scott Satterfield. Becomes, he comes from Arizona State. Um, he's been a starter for multiple years now, uh, accrued a big statistics. I know the one I've, I have that I've written down here was 11 career sacks. He's a started a ton of games. He's easily the most experienced defensive lineman. Day one, he steps into the building there at Louisville. Uh, and he comes uh, after choosing Louisville over Oregon and Miami and several other big-name schools. And, and he visited Louisville first, had several other visits, and still I think he took one of them but ended up committing to Louisville. And so now Louisville has that coveted nose tackle spot. And, guys, when I say this, it might be a hot take, but I, I mean this. This is now when you look at adding him in with uh, Ashton Gelati uh, and then Yaya Diaby and then Monty Montgomery coming back fully healthy and Yasir Abdullah. This is the best pass rush that Louisville has had since the Sugar Bowl team. I'm telling you right now, this is this is the most talented. If this team isn't one of the top 15 teams in the country in sacks, something is up because every one of those guys can get to the quarterback, and they all have the size, the speed, the versatility, everything we've heard about them wanting. They've now got the pieces in place to be able to do what they want to do. The, the thing I really love about his addition 
is the fact that, one, Ivy likes to rotate his guys a lot. So we'll get to see him. We'll get to see Tafik. And we'll also get to see guys like Desmond Tell, who have already been there in the program. But Jermaine is so damn big that you're going to be seeing a lot more plays made by Monty and Momo or whoever else is on that other inside spot. I mean, having a big nose tackle, if you guys remember Jared Goldwire, you didn't hear his name get called a lot on these run plays because he was eating up the center, the guard. I mean, a a fullback, whoever, he's eating up at least two bodies, making it a lot easier for other guys to go out there and make plays, which is why it's a lot more effective to have a much larger nose tackle opposed to somebody that's tiny. If we had Jermaine against UK last year, who knows how that could have went with us being able to stop the run. Yeah, and now you look at you bring him into the fold, and let me just kind of give you a breakdown here of the the numbers. Six foot two, three hundred and five pounds. Missed most of last year with an injury, which is a bit concerning concerning in my mind, considering the fact that uh, when you look at uh, Jaquez Turner, who came from Southern Miss, he also missed a year after having some accolades and really playing well. But this is a different level of football here, in my opinion. Uh, Jermaine Lowell could have gone to the NFL and potentially been a late round draft pick. He was an All Pac twelve guy before the season started from the projection standpoint. 122 career tackles, um, uh, 20 career tackles for loss, 11 sacks, eight pass deflections. So you're talking about a guy who can move, jump, and get up and get those paws up to be able to deflect passes at the line of scrimmage. And then he's got two forced fumbles as well. So this is a proven playmaker. When you put him in there and then you consider the fact that, okay, he needs to come off the, the field for second down so that he can be back out there on third down. You're not taking a step back. That you've got six foot seven, three hundred and twenty-five pound, or whatever he is now, Caleb Banks, and then you've got Tufik Thomas, who, um, by all accounts, is coming in at now around three hundred five, where he was at three fifty, three twenty-five during the season. Now he's in playing shape, and you can get him now really focused on getting his body ready to go. You've now got three defensive linemen at that nose tackle spot who are over three hundred pounds, who are over six foot four, six foot five, plus Destel. Plus Malik Clark, you've got literally 13, 10, 10 to 13 guys on the defensive line who can play now. I mean, there's no excuses anymore. I, I, I'm excited to see what Ben Souders does with Tafik Thomas. Oh, yes. my gosh. I mean, that's just going to be like an artist painting a sculpt, like sculpting something like it's going to be unreal. This is it. Just wait. You all. I'm telling you this Tafik's going to be four year guy, but he's going to be a four year staple in that defense. Yeah, Mount Mount Tafik is what we're going to call him because I really do think he's going to be a big part of the defense long term, giving them that size and versatility that they need. Um, but now back to 2023. We've talked a little bit about 2022, and we'll continue to talk about that throughout the offseason. But Louisville obviously makes a huge addition, signing the third best player in the modern recruiting era. Uh, I shouldn't say sign, but getting a commitment from DeAndre Moore out of California, four-star, uh, five-star wide receiver, um, who by all accounts has been the number one target for Louisville over the last couple of months since he decommitted from Oklahoma. Uh, this is a guy who is a legitimate um I mean, he is a top 100 player for a reason, but he is a guy who can come in and from day one be your number one receiver. He's a smaller guy at six foot, 185 pounds. So Vince, I'm going to come to you here in a second, but to get your perspective on the football side of things. But Presley, you wrote about the class for the state of Louisville and just how big this is for them to be able to land a player like this. And obviously they're not done considering you've got the number one running back in the country who will step foot on Louisville's campus here in two weeks. You've got 13, 14 other guys who will step foot on campus that are, you know, highly rated four-star, five-star players. Uh, What can you say just about the recruiting of Louisville right now and where it is compared to what we've seen the last couple of years? It's shocking 
it's probably the the reason why people are so excited about this this all season, right? I mean, I, I think it's the number one reason why why people have so much faith all of a sudden in, in Scott Satterfield is because yes, when you're going into this off season, uh, there's like two people in, in the the local media who are actually fighting for Scott Satterfield, right? And the, the reasons that they give out seem they ring hollow, to be quite honest with you, uh, because, you know, Louisville's not winning a lot of important conference games. They're not getting the job done where they need to. And, and, and I totally understand why people are concerned and why they want to want to kind of go a different way than, than Scott Satterfield. I 100 percent understand that. And, and this kind of changes the whole narrative. Right. Because all of a sudden you're looking at, OK, well, you know, if Louisville did this and that and we tried this and we, we did uh, so, uh, a certain thing a different way or, you know, this guy was healthy or, you know, th- that's the kind of stuff you get into in the offseason that, that you love to hear. And, and, and now uh, you, you look forward to th- this upcoming season and, and, and you kind of start to have an, more of an optimistic point of view uh, because of what Louisville is potentially bringing in in two years. And now what you really want to see is Louisville just improving those little things so that they can get to 2023, 2024, which all of a sudden become the years, you know, like just like uh, the year for, for Bobby Petrino was, was Lamar Jackson's year after his Heisman year. Like it, it's the same sort of same sort of narrative and football. It's a lot different than basketball where you can just kind of kind of hone in on one season and you just have these guys for a year and you just really focus on, on gelling and, and making the best team possible. And so that's, that's exactly what DeAndre Moore does. And he kind of makes this a class where Louisville fans, they don't have any sort of experience in this sort of realm of recruiting, right? Like, like I've never in my lifetime looked at a class of players like the 2023 class. And it's, it's just, it's something that, that Lula fans couldn't comprehend last year, something that we've never experienced in our lifetimes where you're bringing in at right, as of right now, four or five, four-star players and potentially up to eight, 10, 12, four-star plus players. You could have a running back coming in. We can get into that in, in a little bit. Who's a five-star who would be hands down the best player to ever commit to commit to and or sign to Louisville in school history. Like we're going from average to below average classes for a power five team to all of a sudden you are a powerhouse recruiting team in the ACC. And I, you know, you can say it's NIL or, or coaching staff or, or, you know, picking up Pierce Clarkson or whatever the the situation is, Uh, regardless of that, all of a sudden, when you get a recruit like DeAndre Moore, when you have Pierce Clarkson, Clarkson, and he says, these are the four guys that we want right now. And I'm just going to just bug them on social media. I'm going to be blowing up their phone. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that they come. And then all of them end up committing to Louisville before they even visit Oklahoma or Clemson or Alabama or Auburn or any of these other massive name football schools. It's like, what what the hell is happening? And how much better can this class be? Is it going to be top 10? I don't know. And I wrote about that on State of Louisville. If you want to check that out. Where? the state of Louisville.com. I don't know if you've heard of it, um, Never. but they provide excellent coverage um, on, on college football, specifically pertaining to the university of Louisville. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there I said, you know, Louisville really needs, and this is completely just in a different stratosphere of what we're used to, but Louisville needs at least 10 to 11 
four-star or above players to be a top 10 class. I don't know if that's realistic. I'm not sure if that's some, somewhere they can get. I'm not sure if they can hold on to all these California guys. I don't know if they're going to they're gonna hold on to each one of these four-star and above players. I'm not sure. But the way that they're going right now, if things ended today, this would be the best class that they've ever had. If they got zero other players and they got these, what is it, 11 guys now, 10 guys to stay on board, this yeah. would be the best class they've ever had. And that's talking about that that Charlie Strong class that had 10 or 11 guys that ultimately ended up being in the NFL. Like we're talking about just the next level of talent, an influx of talent coming to this campus. And that is, that's unbelievable. That just, and that's kind of what kind of is opening up my mind and, and a lot of fans' minds is like, okay, if they can just go get seven, eight, nine wins this year. And then they're rolling ten. in the next season, 10 wins. And they're rolling into the next season with a top 15, top 20 class, mm-hmm. which, by the way, we talk about, oh, top 10 class. They've never had a class better than 24th ever, right? So, like, to have a top 15 class, like, you're looking at a whole different level of, of, of teams, right? Like, you're looking at a, at a class better than Tennessee, better than, than Auburn, better than Florida State, better than Miami, like, you're looking at all these powerhouse schools, USC, Oklahoma. Like you're looking at those kind of teams are the teams that Louisville's beating out right now. And if they can continue to do that, then the sky is the limit for the future. Like, and ultimately, it's, it's just like basketball, like we talk about, just on a much more, lar- much larger scale, right? But it's just like we talk about in basketball. If Kenny Payne and John Calipari and Penny Hardaway and John Shire and all these guys can bring in you know, five or six, four to five star players, all of a sudden you can take a team that won, you know, 15 games and take them to the final four the next season. And it's the same way in football. If you can get eight, 10, 12, four to five star guys and bring them onto your roster, you can automatically change the narrative and the direction of your program right away. And so, yeah, maybe Scott Satterfield, when you look at all these lists, is like a 40th, 50th, 60th ranked head coach. All of a sudden, you bring in all these great players, and whoa, he's like a top 15 coach. And that's the kind of stuff that should excite fans, right? And that's what kind of pumps me up. That's why I'm excited about this season, because of the momentum of the, the way that Louisville is. It seems like their plan is finally paying off, that they're taking things seriously, the way that fans want them to take it. And that's something that we have never had, ever, ever, ever. Bobby Petrino, John L. Smith, uh, Charlie Strong to an extent. If you name the coach – we have never had that level of talent. We've never had that level of dedication and commitment to our school and, and to this roster. So absolutely. That goes back to what's what Scott Satterfield said. If Jeff Brown wants to come in, he's got to, to wait a few years because we got a lot of big plans coming in and that should excite fans. I mean, the ACC has never been more wide open than what it is right now. I mean, Clemson, no. I mean, Goliath looks like it could fall at any point, considering the fact that their coach lets recruits sit on his lap. And doesn't want to pay him for it. I mean, like, you can have him sit on your lap if you're going to pay him a couple million in NIL. But, like, that's like having Kevin sit on your lap. But if you're talking about Ruben Owens' commitment, yeah, I'll let him sit on my lap as long as he needs to. to, to I just click that, Vince, and we'll be good. (laughs) We'll back on to football talk. I think what Pierce is selling these guys, or it could be Pierce, it could be the guys in the staff, I mean, there's no pro fo- pro team here, obviously, so your NIL opportunities are going to be outrageous. And why go sit and wait at Georgia? Why go sit and wait at Clemson? Why go sit and wait at 
USC, Notre Dame, Miami. Louisville's yeah. a big enough school to where we can go win the ACC and make the college football playoffs. You can win the ACC and do that. So why not just go to Louisville? If we got to sit a year or two, that's fine. But we're not going to be sitting as long as we would be going to these bigger schools, and we'll get be getting paid as well. So I, I like what they're doing. I'm not sure what they're selling. But, damn, I'm loving it. Like, like you said, Presley, this is the most excite, excitement I've seen ever. I mean, now you're talking about, like, last year we're celebrating, and no, literally no offense when I say this. Like, this is not a shot on this young man. But last offseason we're talking about Max Cabana, and we're talking about him committing to Louisville. And I will never forget the rant of the caller into the, the show of the radio host whose name I will not say on these airwaves, but was bitching about him being a hockey player from Canada. And now we're That's talking awesome. about, <laughs> I, know, I know, but I'm just saying just like he was this guy that they just found out of nowhere. And here we are. And we're talking about, you know, Louisville's got five, six, four star dudes committed with a five star guy, potentially, um, you know, kind of leaning. He got a future cast from, I think, rivals this past week. So, I mean, there, there's definitely some excitement picking up. But here's the one thing I want to bring up. And this is not the fun side of things. OK, I got to I'm going to put some somber music behind this because Ooh. it's a conversation that we have Ooh. to have. But. You talk about Louisville, Louisville's recruits are buying what they're selling, right? And what they're selling is come in, we're right there, we're building the foundation, the culture is set, uh, and then we're going to take off. But the thing is, is when you are committing to a guy like Scott Satterfield over a, a Nick Saban or a, um, you know, insert any coach who has proven, Jimbo Fisher, um, literally any SEC coach, and you're choosing Louisville over that, you better be getting a guy that you know will develop the hell out of you and who will get you not only to the point of performing at the highest level because that's where the eyes are obviously the most when you're talking about scouts and overall evaluation and being in the moment, but being able to get you to the next level. And I think what fans need to be prepared for, and this is doomsday worst-case scenario. This is not what I think is going to happen. I want to put that out there. I want to be very clear. This is not my opinion on what the season will look like. But say Louisville goes 5-7 and seven again, or they go 6-6 six and six even, or say they, the, the worst comes to worst and they go a 4-8, and eight, or they just have a crap year. I'm not so sure these commitments will hold because these players will want to see Louisville win at the highest level to envision themselves in that. This is Louisville's best chance under Scott Satterfield to win the ACC, to get to a New Year's Six Bowl, to potentially play in a college football playoff. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but I'm just saying this is the most talented team Louisville has had since the Lamar Jackson days. Don't get that twisted at all. This is the most talented team. Now it's up to Scott Satterfield and his staff to answer the question that everyone still has. And it's a fair question there. His record is 18 and 19 in three years. Can you coach a football team and get them to the highest level? And if they struggle, I would expect we'll see these guys slowly back out of these commitments, which is why fans are still asking about, are there any reason to be nervous about their commitments? Because that's what we're used to. We see it every year. Insert XYZ recruit. Purdy still gives me nightmares. Right. Zen Mikowski. Like, he's going to be the starting left tackle at Ohio State at some point. And he was committed to Louisville for, like, nine months. Like, it's a tradition to bag a player early, celebrate them, watch their growth, and then last second be told deuces. I'm going to Florida State. I'm going to Ohio State. This year, Louisville has the guys. But now it's up to Scott Satterfield to win football games, uh, something I think that they will do. Speaking of longtime commitments, Jacob, I don't know if you guys. I know exactly what news. you're going to say. There's a certain know. guy who is committed to Louisville for over a year who just put his name in the portal for a second time. 
So, uh, you know, Jaden Johnson, if you guys have been following his career at Missouri State under Coach Petrino, he is now in the portal for a second time. That's right. He played at Southern Miss, and they were playing running backs and tight ends at quarterback. Not Remember, Frank Gore Jr. was like their backup running back and was throwing passes, and Jaden Johnson was not. Um, and, yeah, yeah, there's definitely been some guys that have gone on, and it's it was like, okay, maybe we got it right by letting him out of his scholarship. Um, but with others, it's it's very much a kick in the nuts late, late, late in the recruiting process, Chubba Purdy being one of them. And what he ended up in Nebraska just feels like this weird, like cycle of Louisville, Nebraska, Florida state. I don't, I don't really know why that's just one player that came from. from I really wanted him to stay so he could, you know, keep going over against our defense whenever he's a quarterback. That was hilarious. That over nine might be, it might be the worst quarterback uh, statistical data to ever be logged in college football. Scott Satterfield system. I've heard some say, that it's not built for wide receivers. He never had a thousand yard receiver at App State during his time there. If he did, it was very few. I know he's coached great receivers back in the day, but what can Scott Satterfield and Lance Taylor, which I know we haven't seen his offense yet, but what can adding a receiver like DeAndre Moore do to that offense in terms of opening opening it up to this to the stretch runs and all of the fun stuff that they do? Oh, the things you can do with DeAndre Moore in that offense. So the big thing will be with the motions, a lot like they did with Tutu. Though that jet pass, it's actually a pass. If you guys know the yep. little toss right there, you know that's a big selling point. If you motion that, same time DeAndre Moore can look to the left and be able to see, oh, is that guy running with me? Is he not running with me? That would be able to tell man or zone. Same same read Malik will get. So that's going to be another click right there of them being able to read, know where to go with the football. Malik's going to be able to. Well, more set and stuff. He's going to be able to run those deep crossing routes that he loved to do with uh, Tutu. That that's probably what he's telling him. We can turn you in to what we did with Tutu. A lot of these guys are similar size. They're very fast guys. So it seems like they're all going to be more interchangeable than what they have been in the past. Where Dez is your Z, and you know Seth Dawkins is your X, and Tutu's your M, and that's what you got. You know, it seems like these guys, you can rotate them wherever and just kind of let it ride, and that's going to cause more deception on the defense as well. So it's very possible to get over a 1,000 yards in a Scott Satterfield offense. Tutu showed it. We can do it more more, more you know, with more guys, excuse me. Um, but with Malik getting a lot more comfortable back there, seems like he's dialing in his deep ball, throwing a 50-yard bomb and hitting it on his knees. You know, Eyes closed. Eyes closed. Yep. We just need him to get more consistent, be able to read a defense pre-snap. That's the biggest thing for the quarterback is reading a defense pre-snap and the motions that you can do with DeAndre Moore and these other speedy guys also opens up the run game for them. So it it can, it can be fun. I, I yeah. think it'd be fun. The more speedy fast guys like that. I like, I do like some bigger receivers kind of like Demetrius Cannon who transferred off, but, I can live with these speed guys as well. Well, they've got Chance Morrow who comes in at six six two, I think like two oh five or something yep. like that. They can will have a year to get him developed. Chris Bell was six four. They've got some size in there. And, um, even and there's these, definitely these, some weapons. Even these man. freshmen, you know, if you guys remember Devontae Pete, his best season as a wide receiver was his freshman year. So it's yeah. it's capable for these freshmen wide receivers more than anybody to come in and play because that's an easy spot to get some guys and get some muscle on some of these already skinnier guys. Yeah. And what wide receivers and a lot of people don't realize at that level is the more you squat, the faster you're going to run. 
So they're not used to lifting like that, all speed and agility stuff. So once Ben Souders gets them in an actual weight training uh, regiment, I mean, they'll be gaining speed and a lot more quickness on their cuts and things like that. Yeah, and we're going to dive much more into recruiting, hopefully in this week coming up or the week following before Louisville's June 17th uh, weekend where they have, like I mentioned, a number of different guys on campus. We're going to get into recruiting a little bit on the other side of the break here in a game that we call more or less um, in honor of Mr. DeAndre Moore committing to Louisville. But um, overall, I just want to just briefly touch on what that weekend will look like for Louisville. Um, Like I mentioned, they've got several guys, both committed and uncommitted, visiting campus. Pierce Clarkson will be here on a, on a visit. DeAndre Moore will be here on a visit. Uh, Adonajay Green, who is now a four-star edge rusher, will be here on a visit. Aaron Williams, who's one of the highest-rated guys in the class cornerback out of uh, California, who just transferred to uh, Bosco Prep to join a couple of the other Cardinals uh, out there. He'll visit. Raekwon Adkins will visit. Jaden Davis will visit. I mean, literally everyone right now, if they're interested in Louisville, will, will be here on a visit. A couple of other guys. Uh, I think it's Jabron Harvey, who is an edge rusher. Uh, three-star, four-star guy will be here. Madden Sanker, Jordan Church, uh, all these big offensive linemen. I think Louisville's in on four or five offensive linemen and could potentially get them all. Uh, Raymond Padillo, I think is how you say his last name, is one of the largest human beings I've ever seen in high school. Uh, He will also be here. So Louisville has got uh, Javen Simpkins, another top running back, Ruben Owens. I just feel like every time I stop to make my point, I see more names here. The talent that they will have on campus potentially, uh, maybe not potentially, but it is the greatest weekend, and it could be the greatest weekend in terms of celebration from a recruiting standpoint in Louisville football history if they get a guy like Madden Sanker, Ruben Owens, if they get them into the fold. Um, and, and that is going to be absolutely fascinating. What will also be fascinating will be next year, which I know this is next offseason. I don't want to wish that upon ourselves already, but how much fun is it going to be to talk about the quarterback position being open again? Now, look, I've enjoyed having Malik Cunningham here, but we're talking about potentially Pierce Clarkson and Caleb Johnson battling for the starting position uh, without us really ever having seen either play in big roles what that is going to be a, a damn good time next offseason talking I, about that. I, I'm excited for that, but what I do not want to see for the love of God going into the season, I better not see a damn two quarterback system. If we go in with a <laughs> quarterback system and we don't know who the guy is, you it's know, a no quarterback system. We're gonna run Pierce for three series and then like how they did Reggie and Kyle Bowling in the bowl game, if you guys remember that one back in the yeah. day. Like, yeah, oh but it worked God. with Brom and LaForce, man. He used to come in, I think he played like the second quarter or something like that. But I've never seen anything like that. Just like a quarterback gets a whole quarter. Yeah, this isn't Trey, Trey Lance and uh, – Yeah, and Jimmy ABG. Garoppolo, the Pro Bowl. Like, that's yeah. what it is every say, game. You don't you don't have many Kyle Bolins out there. You don't have any Reggie Bonifans. Uh, you got an Evan Conley. The, I'll do you yeah, one better. You got yeah, an Evan Conley. Yeah, yeah. and, and <laughs> But you don't, you don't want to continue to have that. You want these kind of battles. You yes. want the I was there at the at the bench. I think you were probably in the game. The <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the the Tua game when Tua started his first game against us. Oh, um, I was not there Sorry. in Orlando. Okay, there. so that might have been a year. I after. didn't travel back at fullbacks. Well, listen, I was in Fun the same stadium. I was in the same stadium the year before when you were a walk on. I remember you guys being out there to watch the halftime show before I left to go to Disney World after uh after Is our got rocked in the third quarter. Oh, creaky. That was a bad one. Darius guys just like snatched his soul right there. Dude, I was I was taking pictures in in the Magic Kingdom while the fourth quarter was going on. That's that's 
how tragic it was. But I do remember specifically seeing you on the sidelines. Yes, uh, I, 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 I was down there. I remember watching that halftime halftime thing, too, because Coach Petrino, being the nice guy he was, didn't let everybody in the locker room. <laughs> being the nice guy. I, I love that. I love that. But no, like a, it's like a, you must be this tall to enter. You must have this many stats to be able to come into Coach P's were, locker room. Okay, I just remember specifically, like, I remember weird stuff like this, but there were like six or seven guys without their pads on with just their jerseys on out there watching the halftime show just ready to get warmed up, you know, ready to return those balls uh, after, after, uh, after the kickers threw a pun out there or whatever, you know, like they were, they were ready to do their jobs. And I, I appreciate that. You're talking about, you're talking about this one right here, Presley with Cole window. Cole. Yes. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> That's what we were watching. That's what I remember. Great, great part about that day. Cole Swindell, Mickey mouse, um, no touchdowns. Like all that stuff was great. <laughs> Creaky getting rocked, all that stuff. Going back to the very original question about the more commitment and, and what that means for for U of L, that that is going to be Pierce Clarkson or or Cleve Johnson or or there's a very outside shot that it, that is uh, Evan Conley or uh, who else am I missing? Brock Doman. Yeah. Um, but whoever's behind center, I absolutely think that you're correct in, in that Louisville is pr- recruiting these guys who are multifaceted. That you don't look mm. at a guy and say, okay, that guy's a Y. Like you look at a guy and say, okay, he he can play at least two positions, uh, I, and I think on this year's team, D. Wiggins is the only guy that stands out to me on the receiving core. That that that's a guy that just has one job. And you saw last season that Louisville had a couple of those guys, and they turned out to be great, but they transferred, uh, and so they want to have guys that you can say, look, if you want to play more on the slot, you need to do this and that, and and, and so that's. That's what excites me about what Louisville's doing going forward. I think that that Coach Petrino really recruited guys to their positions, obviously, and it's not it's not a hyperbole. They had like fourteen or fifteen guys on 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 scholarship at the wide receiver wide receiver position under Coach Petrino, and they could really roll that back a little bit and have ten to twelve really solid guys who can play at least two positions, maybe even three like a DeAndre Moore, um, that, that, that can be do-it-all guys. That can run jet sweeps, but at the same time, they can catch a, a seven-yard seven uh, crossing pattern, truck a guy, and, and get a first down. Like Those are the kind of guys that, that Louisville hasn't had in a long time, and that's really exciting. Uh, as far as the actual class itself, I'm excited for, for what this could be. Like you said, Jacob, there are really six or seven offensive linemen that are very, very, very good offensive linemen that are visiting in the next couple of weeks. And that is so crucial. Um, I, I, I'm a nerd, and, and after the Louisville baseball game went off uh, today, instead of going to hit balls like I normally would, the Louisville spring game sucked me in. And even though we were there uh, getting a near full from Keith Wynn on, on the sidelines during the spring game, I wanted to hear what the guys had to say, and I wanted to listen to the interviews from Malik Cunningham from Scott Satterfield and a few of the other guys. Uh, and, and really the emphasis has been on, look, this Louisville offensive line, the reason this offense is going to be so good this year is because we have nine starters. We have nine guys who interchangeably can be on this offensive line. And those are the guys that they're recruiting, right, to come in. You have Madden Sanger, who, at least from our point of view, right, it looks like he's been a Louisville lean for a long time. Luke Burgess is a guy that I would be surprised if he's not a card uh, Raymond Polito, I, I think is how, you, you know, we've all have, have our own pronunciations, but there's even guys 
like uh, Kobe Keenum uh, that, yep. that kind of have, have played in Trevor Lauk, um, yep. who could be a guy who's who is could even be like a silent commit. I Don't know forget about all, Jordan Church. He'll well, Jordan Church. So we've we've heard from multiple people that there's at least one or two offensive linemen who have silent commitments to the staff, which essentially is they tell the staff, look, I'm coming. Unless you guys tell me that I can't, I'm going to be there. And I think the Jordan church is one of those guys. I think that, uh, which is great because he's like a top 800 top 1000 guy. If you have a guy like that coming in, you're like, Whoa, wait a second. We have Madden Sanker. Like once you get to that point, that's where you want to be. That's where you want to be when you're recruiting players, right? Is like, Okay, we have this guy that's like, I mean, the horns are unbelievable. It's nonstop over here in God's country. Uh, but, but regardless, th- th- there are so, there are so many uh, guys that just really want to join this roster. And, and, and I think that there are guys out there like Sanger, like Burgess, like Keenum, guys that are like top 200, 300 guys that the Louisville staff is like, look, Jordan Church, we really want you. You have a lot of talent. You have a lot of potential, but we're not going to offer you a scholarship yet because we have this other guy that can come in and he can help us win an ACC title next season. Like that's the kind of stuff that Louisville's looking at. And I mean, if you're, if you're a fan, you're not excited about that, then I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I understand if you're one of the people that's like, Oh, well, if they haven't signed on the dotted line, then they're not committed and they're not really a Cardinal and that's fine. But if you're somebody who follows this stuff on, on a week-to-week basis, uh, that, that's really fascinating to me. And that's really exciting to see that, that Louisville is recruiting guys. Like, like Madden Sanker is a guy that's a top 100 player, consensus across the board, high four-star player who every school in the country wants him. All the top schools ha- have offered him. Extremely intriguing to see a guy like that commit and it, it, to kind of tie all of this together. It's really fascinating to see um, who could ultimately end up a, a part of this class because it, it could be not only it, – it's going to be probably the best class in school history, but it could be just absolutely blow that out of the water. Like we could be talking about like pizza by Alfredo versus Al, Alfredo's pizza. That's and right. That's, that is what should excite fans. That's that's exactly right. A, I couldn't have put that any better if I tried. Incredible reference right there. And only the real ones will understand that. And that's I'm OK with that. Uh, but absolutely. In terms of next year's class being one of the best ever, I, I think at this point, if it's not, you know, it's going to be because something happens down the stretch where some of these guys back out of commitments or, you know, maybe they just don't get to the point where we kind of think they would. But this weekend or then this next coming up weekend will be a big indicator of what that's going to look like. And we'll talk about how many of those commitments they actually get on the other side. But before we do that, to kind of tie all of this together and talking about recruitment and what's next for Louisville football, I want to make sure that I call out our newest partner here on the State of Louisville Podcast Network, the What's Next with Eric Wood podcast. You can find it anywhere that you get your shows from, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, all of those that you can find, What's Next with Eric Wood. Um, And be sure to check that out. It's a podcast that dives into your life and what is going on in your life and and eric sits down with guests each week from sports from business from education from leadership to talk about what's next creating good habits and really inspiring people in their next uh, portion of life or whatever they have in front of them Uh, most recently eric sat down with ben rhodes a local 
um, NASCAR driver, NASCAR truck series driver, one of the youngest, I believe to ever win a race, just incredible stuff there. And then also uh, super chef uh, Darnell Ferguson. Some of you all who are from the Louisville area will, re- will recognize that name, a local chef who's been on countless number of TV shows on cooking channels uh, and has an incredible story. Uh, he sits down with Eric to talk about all of that on what's next with Eric Wood. Again, you can find that anywhere you get your podcast from. We will be right back. All right, guys, let's jump into the last part of the show here. We're going to talk a little bit more about recruiting and the game that we call more or less in honor of one DeAndre Moore. So let me start out with this. Uh, I mean, I've got a couple of questions here. and We probably won't get to all of these or else this is going to be like a four hour episode. And I don't think anyone necessarily has asked for that. Uh, so I'll just stick to a couple of them here. Uh, but the way that I'll, I'll ask these questions is will whatever will something do something be more or less okay you get the concept of the game you guys following along here all right we're going to start with this one louisville will welcome nine uncommitted players on june 17th the weekend the big recruiting weekend we just talked about before the break from that weekend will there be more or less than three players who commit i'm gonna go less Okay. Excuse me. If they can, if they commit on that weekend, how many players will commit Let, the weekend of June seventh? Less 17th? that weekend, because the the exciting part is all the stuff that that we just got into, right? The less exciting part is that there are a lot of people out after these players, and it doesn't behoove them if you're talking talking to Nick Saban, or you know, if you're talking to an SEC school, if you're talking to a a high-level Pac-12 school or a Big 12 school, it doesn't help you if you're a class of 2023 player on June 18th, 2022 to, to commit because all that serves to do is just lessen the attention towards you, you know, it's lower the bar. It's a good present for me. Excuse me. I'm sorry to call out your birthday. birthday. Excuse me. Are you Scorpio? I don't even I don't even know what you are. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Gemini. A Gemini. But we're not that we're not that kind of podcast over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not not to to uh, to brush aside the Gemini's on this podcast. That's right. You're um, surrounded by Gemini's, my friend. That that weekend, I'm not sure. That that weekend, yeah. ultimately, yes. I, I think that if if there are nine uncommitted players that are visiting, I think that three is right on the money. Maybe four. Um, it appears that Pierce Carson, which Apparently he's like, you know, the, the main recruiter now for this, this team. Um, it, it looks like he's, he's targeting four main guys. If history is any indicator, Wolves going to land at least a couple of those guys. Madden Sanker seems like the next kind of like big domino to fall. Right. Yeah. Like he seems like a guy, uh, the Louisville Sox have been a big story, at least in my mind. I don't <laughs> the know why you're Sox. That's the story of the offseason is the Louisville Sox. I don't know. I don't know why you're winning state championships in the Louisville Sox if you're not going to play college football there. Like that's just that's how my brain works. I know it doesn't really make sense, but we're also it, from Louisville and high school sports mean a lot to us. So we might be thinking. Right. right. Oh, well, now, I, I totally get that. But he's not from Louisville, and that's an even bigger deal. No, he just finds that the socks are comfortable. I think that that's what it comes down to. We just need to know what brand. Are they Bombas? 
Are they Hanes, Fruit of the Loom? We, like, we what no is idea. it? Is it? I don't is, know what Louisville's contract with Bombas, T-shirt hooligan. I don't know what what their contracts like with any of those guys. Say he went to CNX, right, and, and he won the state championship in wrestling, and he was wearing Wisconsin socks. It'd be a pretty big indicator to us, right, that he's going to end up going to Wisconsin. The attention that he gives Louisville on social media, and the interactions that he has with current Louisville commits or even current players. That should all be kind of a green flag for little fans. And that's why I think that he's the next big domino to fall. Ruben Owens, we'll have to wait and see. That could that's gonna be something you're just hoping that he signs on signing Dave if he's committed to Louisville, right? That right. that's actually my take on Madden Presley, is I I think he could kind of chub us. I he th- could I chub think us. He, I, I think he, could. He, did, he seems like he likes recruiting. <laughs> He loves the attention. He loves, you know, you see him posting all the Michigan State stuff. He did go on a visit there and everything, but it seems Selah Brown kind of did this too, you know, if you guys remember correctly. He, there's certain guys that just love recruiting a little too much that just give me a weird vibe. And uh, I, I think he might be one of the – he could. I would – obviously, I want him to come to Louisville. I think he'd be a huge addition for this staff. All right, for the sake of time, I'm going to move on to the next one here. Pierce Clarkson will start more or less than five games as a freshman in 2023. Vince, I'll come to you first here. More I, or less. I'm coming in hot. I'm saying less. He will start less than five games. I'm big. You guys know. Jacob, you know. Presley, I'm not sure if you do. I'm big on Caleb Johnson. I think he throws a great football, and that's just because there's not enough film out on Pierce yet. I love what he's doing on social media. Love the Elite 11. You know, had a great year last year, had some good highlights and stuff. But I really think that Caleb throws a much better ball with uh, a lot more zip on it, and he's going to have a year in that offense. And having a year under your belt in any type of offense, profession, anything, is obviously going to give you a leg up on the new incoming person. So, so I'm going to say less, although, you know, you never know. He could come in for a couple of games, and you might see some see some flash, and he might take it over. Presley, what do you think, man? So here's my thing with, with Pierce Clarkson is that I've recently really gotten into the whole family connection. I didn't realize that Steve Clarkson, his dad, was as big as he is. Like, he's a huge quarterback guru. Yeah. Like he's a guy that, like, professional players go to. He's like I the modern-day George Whitfield, if you remember that name from back when we were younger. Yes. Yeah, Steve Whitfield, George Clarkson, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> I am I am excited about Pierce Clarkson now more than ever because I didn't realize that his dad is like this big wig, this guy who is like he is going to kind of breed his son to be the next big thing. And that granted, I listened to the take with Andy Sweeney and they had on uh, Phil Sims the other day, and we were talking about that horrid game where Louisville is playing uh, at Rutgers and they lost like 63 to 21 uh, and Steve, Steve Cragthorpe's last year and Phil Sims was in the bleachers and his son was on, uh, on the sidelines and Phil Sims was just like standing like the most depressed dad of all time at the top of the bleachers <laughs> in Piscataway. Um, but I, I don't anticipate that being Pierce Clarkson uh, and, and his dad. And Khalib Johnson is a guy who I would find it hard to believe is not the starter at the beginning of the 2023 season. With all of that said, though, Pierce Clarkson has a lot right now of Reggie Bonifant to me. That's what his game reminds me of. Like, he's not an athlete like a Lamar Jackson or like a, like a Malik Cunningham where he's just going to shake guys out of his shoes, but he's a really polished passer. Wow. Really polished passer. Excuse me. 
and a little tongue tied action. It's okay. Yeah, a little little tongue tied. That's right. Uh, but he he is a guy who just seems like he has that maturity. He has that leadership ability, and so that's why I'm going to go with over five because I think ultimately uh, I, I know what sells this coaching staff. I know what sells a Scott Satterfield, and his maturity is enough to get him a couple starts uh, in, in 2023. So just not even to be contrarian, but just like to give you a different point of view, I think it's going to be more than five. I think that as a freshman, he starts seven, eight, nine games. And it's not even like a two quarterback system type of thing. It's just that like maybe Cleve Johnson comes in. He's pretty impressive, but he just doesn't have what it takes yet. Uh, I, I think that both of them are, are going to be fantastic in college. Uh, however, things play out. And that's what's exciting, right? Like you have, you're going to have two, three, four guys you're going to be able to say are, are battling for this position. And that's what should excite fans because in Scott Siderfield's system, you got to be able to do a lot of things. Oh, and yeah. and, and I, I'm just excited to see what both of these guys can do. I'll go more than five over Pierce. Okay, here's the next one. We're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about Scott Satterfield, who is ultimately the one responsible for the, the commitment of DeAndre Moore. Okay, so the question here, does it take more or less than six weeks for Scott Satterfield to receive an extension on his contract in 2022? This is something that I don't think has been talked about enough. And just to quickly give you the details, Satterfield signed a six-year deal back in 2018 when he became the head coach that will go through next year, 2020, or excuse me, uh, two years from now, 2024, so next year, essentially in 2023, he will be entering the, the, the year before the final year, which no coach really ever makes it to the last year of their contract without uh, another contract in place. You rarely ever see lame duck situations in college. Um, so Louisville has a situation where they've got this big recruiting um, hall already in place. Scott Satterfield's plan that he laid out with Josh Hurd, who is now the full-time AD and, instead of Vince Tyree. And Louisville opens up the season with six winnable games. Potentially could find themselves 6-0, and 5-1. Um, what do you guys think? Does Scott Satterfield need more than six weeks to get an extension? Or do you think that if he goes, say, 5-1, and 6-0, you're talking about him getting an extension during the middle of the season? I, I think that regardless of how we start, as long as Sat has a good year, I think he will get that extension. I think Josh likes him. I think the vision couldn't be any clearer right now. Like Presley's been reiterating all night, this is going to be the best recruiting class we have ever had. So I, I think it's going to be more just because Sat and I were going to be too focused on the season. He's probably not going to want to do that. He's going to want to keep routine, keep routine, keep routine. Let's not change anything up. And uh, let's keep rolling and try and get 10 wins or more for the end of the season. Yeah, so the, I guess the initial question, Jacob, I know it's, it's, there's a lot to unpack there, but, but essentially I think it'll be more than six games. Uh, I, I think that there are six winnable games. I would not be completely shocked if they start out 6-0. and uh, I, I know there's some hard games. They start out at Syracuse, at UCF. I know that's difficult. I know Florida State's going to be on the up and up, as, as we always say that they are. Um, but but I, I can absolutely see them starting 5-1, and 6-0. and uh, It – even in that case, though, even in the case that, that they start 6-0, I, I don't see him getting a contract extension quite then. However, I think that people will be super high on Louisville. They'd obviously be a ranked team probably at that point. And, and that is exciting in and of itself. And I think that, that his, his approval rating, you know, like we always talk about the presidential approval ratings, his approval, uh, his approval rating will never be higher than it would if he was like started like 5-1. 
That's right. That's right. But here's why I think it could be. And I know I haven't answered any of these and I'm not going to give an answer now. But in terms of when you're looking at opportunity to get on the bottom level from a financial standpoint, if Louisville lets that go and say they go 10 and two or they go 11 and one or nine and three and go to a New Year's six game, the price, you know, in the words of the great push of T yesterday's price is not today's price. Scott Satterfield can tell them today's price. It's different. You got to give, you got to drop another bag. So if Louisville is smart and they feel like Scott Satterfield is in a good spot, knowing that there could be some stumbles down the late part of the season, considering the stretch that they have, that's absolutely brutal with NC state and Clemson and Kentucky. But I think that they might be smart. If Louisville starts out five, six and oh, to go ahead and say, all right, Scott, here's a two year extension. Let's keep it going and let's get some more victories. And then we can talk again later on down the road. I mean, I, I definitely think there there will be the belief, right? Like right now, if you pulled the fans, especially the ones who don't follow recruiting, uh, they're they're just going to be like the the average Louisville fan will be like Scott Satterfield. He went he went four and seven and then six and seven. No thanks. Right, we're good. Facebook. He starts, is what you're saying. Yeah, Facebook or <laughs> Drew Diener, like you know, like who, whatever direction you want to go. Pretty much the same people. Uh, if, if you start out six and zero, though, all of a sudden you have this kind of belief, right? If you start at six and zero, and then you play, I, I don't know who the seventh game is. It's Pittsburgh. Pitts. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. And then it's wake forest. So they go the back for the, the, after you have Florida state UCF, it's Boston college, Virginia Pitt, wake. Oh, yeah. That's it's, it's a little icky. That ACC schedule is not, the, well, not and, so and, bad. Man. And that's what, if you listen to a lot of the ACC experts, Louisville essentially, Louisville essentially plays like what the Coastal Division has every year. Yeah. You know, when you look at the Coastal Division, you're like, okay, well, they got Pittsburgh, they got Virginia, they got Virginia Tech. Like, you know, you start listing off all these, these teams, Miami. Like, you, it's like, it feels like you're just like saying like, okay, well, you, you got, you got a red peppers and you got green peppers and you got yellow peppers uh, and they all come in the same bag. But it's going to be real exciting to see which what each one of them tastes like. Like no, it, it's it's. You might be a Jair comparing apples and oranges whenever he was <laughs> yes. talking about BBG's defense. <laughs> exactly, exactly that. It feels like that's what Louisville schedules like this year. Is is a lot of the experts look at it and they're like, all right, well they got to play Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh was in the ACC championship. They got to play Lake Forest, and Lake Forest was in the, in the ACC championship. They got to play Clemson, and they've never beat Clemson, and Clemson's Clemson. And Florida State's always a toss-up. Like, so you start looking at the schedule and breaking it down. You got to play UCF on the road. Like, there's a lot of these like little little nuggets. Um, there's these little nuggets, and even Syracuse. Like, you start off on the road at Syracuse, and people are like, "Well, what if Dino Babers finally gets it together? What if they finally win more than three nah, games?" Nah, we don't like, lose to Syracuse. Nah, right. we're not putting well, that out there, well, Presley. We don't lose to Syracuse. I don't. We don't need to talk about about the the. The mother that was that was hounding us on Twitter. <laughs> it's a great story to have. It's a yeah. story time with Vince, a former walk-on's mom, just absolutely yeah. destroying us in our mentions. Who is it, Matt? Got it. Yeah, Sean McCormick. That's what it was. Sean yeah. McCormick, the guy that got in for like three plays against and Syracuse just, and absolutely yeah. got rocked like me and Jacob would if we put on some. <laughs> that, that's exactly what it was. He got like. rocked I'll, like I'll, he was I'll, a kicker on a trick Sean play. was good. Sean was good. But he went to Western, man. Good for him. For Bobby Petrino's offense, he's a six foot five white dude. Yeah, like, he can't. He's, he's Will Gardner. With he needs to be in man. the Pac-12 throwing it 40 times a game and just slinging it. Well, he wasn't, and he played behind a Bobby <laughs> Petrino offensive line, and he got rocked by Syracuse, all right? The, Shout out Robbie Bell. 
yeah, the, the carrier dome was going crazy and they were up like 52 to six at that point. So, so yes, you can lose to Syracuse, uh, but, but, but regardless, not to veer too far away from the point, regardless, Louisville has, they have a, a, a pretty difficult schedule next season. I think that's why a lot of people are hesitant. Like, I think that most people are saying that, you know, that this, this could ultimately be a season where Louisville can take a step forward and there are, are a myriad of reasons uh, but 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 ultimately, it's you know it's 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 kind of a wait and see game. If Louisville six and zero, look, I'm going to be throwing that contract at, at, at Coach Sat. That's right. You want to get in you, before yeah. the stocks go up, man. Stoinks. It's like a, it's kind of like at the casino. Like if you're sitting at if somebody else is sitting at a slot and they're winning a bunch of money and they get up, you're going to sit right down right there. And so that's what it, that's what Josh Hurd is going to be trying to do. He's going to be trying to capture that that uh, energy of the fan base and 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 look Satterfield's going to need an extension they start out five and one or six and oh I'm not sure if they will though right. and I'm not sure if that was the initial question I think they start out four and two ish I think that's a that's a, a pretty safe guess um, I, I think there's just too many difficult obstacles in the way but uh, no I, I want to come back on here and talk about how much I'm excited for this defense uh, because we we barely even we barely just we barely t- grazed that. We really even just it. we just gave you a l- the tip, just a little, just bit. just a little bit of the defense, and I think that that's going to play so much into the way the offense is this year, right? I think it's going to oh, play yeah. right in the Scott Satterfield's hands. Even if there's some injuries this season, Louisville has the running backs. They have the depth on defense to get things done. We'll get into that next time. That's right. That's a perfect way to end the show there. There is a ton to talk about. We are finally in the offseason standpoint where we can really start previewing the year. I know Vince thinks we're still in part 12 of the offseason recap, but we're not. <laughs> we're almost to the point now of being able to look at the 2023 year, and there is a lot to dissect. We'll do so by position, by schedule, by opponent, all that good stuff. We'll break it down. And we've got a couple of great guests already lined up over the next couple of weeks. We'll be joined by a pair of offensive linemen, believe it or not. This is an offensive lineman pod now. Jake Smith, former offensive lineman that played under Coach Petrino. Jamon Brown, another former offensive lineman that played under Coach Petrino. Both will join us here on the podcast. We'll be joined by some recruiting experts here over the next couple of weeks to break all of the Louisville recruiting action down, uh, as well as countless other people as we get into the meat of the offseason before we kick off the season against the opponent that uh, Presley mentioned there, Syracuse. Um, Real quick, before we wrap up, if you're not following us already, me sure that you do so at the state of louisville at pink seats pod on twitter is where you can find us uh, you can find from the pink seats podcast anywhere you get your podcast from again like i mentioned with eric's show apple spotify we're on all those places from the pink seats pod you can find us there at vincent lacoco on twitter at press meyer at jacob lane 08 we will catch you next time and until then go cards <laughs>